Welcome to Alibi Radio, where we support you in business and in life. Listen in each week for episodes on how to grow your business, tips from successful business owners, answers to your burning business questions, and much more. Join our Alibi Hive, and we will help you and your business scale simply. I'm your host, Brooke Markovicius, founder and CEO of Alibi, a one-stop business solution that helps you scale simply. We are a managed tech marketplace that focuses on connecting businesses with our fully vetted workforce of women who have left or been forced out of the traditional nine to five. I took my years of freelance startup and brick and mortar experience and merged it with my technical background and skills to create Alobi. I'm a mom of two, Lily, who is a first grader, and Lucas, who just entered pre-K. I live in the sunny South in Durham, North Carolina. I'm married to my soulmate. I'm a total book nerd, tech geek, and I've built multiple businesses while raising babies. My hope is that this podcast will bring you actionable tips, tricks, and tools that will help you gain momentum in your business and life. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited to chat with you. And I know we live close by, but haven't actually met in person. (laughs) So it's nice to be able to connect with you. But why don't you give me a brief summary of just who you are and um, what your business is? Yeah, absolutely. First, thanks, uh, Brooke, for having me. This is really great. It's fun to get to talk to another local um, about all the cool stuff that's going on. And we can talk a little bit about Triangle and, and beyond, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I, I am uh, Farrell Vernon. I'm the COO of Written Word Media. Written Word Media is a media company. We run a variety of brands that help readers find their next book to read. Um, and our business model is selling advertising to authors, largely independent authors who are not signed to a major publisher, kind of the, the little guys, so to speak, of the industry. Um, that's our main client. And so we do a ton of email, a ton of social, a ton of other things uh, for those authors. But our primary mission is supporting the independent creative, the author. Um, and we do that by giving them access to advertising and media uh, for readers. Which I love. And I haven't even told you this, but I have a book that's coming out next year and I'm oh, well, there's something for us to talk about. I know, I know. And I'm working with a, a hybrid publisher that is a mom um, that I know. And so I really am kind of the little guy independent <laughs> over here. Um, so I'll definitely be learning more about your business model so I can take advantage of it. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to know more about your career and things that led to, to written word. Um, now, but I'd love to know, obviously we got connected because you guys are one of our um, clients. I actually had seen you just walking around American underground, seeing the little written word (laughs) outside of you guys' office. Uh, So I'd always be, had been interested in um, what you guys do, but uh, now you guys are connected as a client with Alibi. So if you can just tell me briefly, how has Alibi supported your business? Yeah, that's um, thanks for the intro. I think it's great. Um, re- really, in two ways. I think this year, really the last 12 months for us has been one of, of tremendous growth. Um, and that's been super exciting. Um, the company was growing already. We were well positioned when COVID hit because we're all around books and reading. 
And so when people had to stay at home, you know, yeah, a lot of people were watching Netflix, but a lot of people were reading too. So that really helped. Um, but the business was already growing. So it was sort of like pouring gas on the fire. So we experienced this tremendous growth. Um, and that was really exciting. And one of the challenges, which Brooke, I'm sure you know, is uh, finding the right people. And so over the last um, year, you know, we've hired a ton of people um, as full time, but we also had to start thinking differently about staff augmentation. Right. And so we started bringing on more contractors uh, very rapidly. And that's everything from fractional CTO work to HR contractors. Um, and then when we found Alibi, I was really excited about the model because it was actually something that we had talked about um, a long time ago and the fact that it existed and we didn't have to build, it was great. Um, but the company's run by my wife and I, and we have always wanted to kind of wrap family and business together so that we can prioritize both without sort of sacrificing one for the other. Um, very similar mission to what, to what Alibi does. So we're excited. Um, and then I think we, we, we just launched a new product. Uh, the public launch was yesterday. It's called Reader Reach and it allows uh, authors to buy Facebook ads with us using our expertise in targeting and Facebook advertising. Um, and so that's a very, very exciting launch. Um, but we needed staff and we, we, we didn't, we didn't have it at the time. We had people who were, were experts and, and we had that, but we needed extra and we weren't sure how much. And I think that's really the, the uncertainty is where Alibi really kind of came to the rescue. Um, so we were able to work with Alibi to bring on somebody who had some marketing background and could help us both do some of the experimentation R&D, but also some of the fulfillment that, that we need to do actually, like getting some of these campaigns set up and really ironing out the kinks. Um, and I think, you know, once we did that, we're like, oh, this is great. These are um, people that are a pleasure to work with. I think my first call uh, was with Anne. Um, and we we're sitting there, I was explaining our business and she was like, yeah, uh-huh, I get it. Yes, great. And I was like, oh, these are my people, <laughs> you know, like efficient. The call was 20 minutes uh, scheduled. I think we got done in 16. I was like, I love this. Um, and so we wanted to, to extend that. And so we, we brought some more help on in our operations department to help with some things. And so I think we're very excited about the model, um, you know, having people who have either been displaced or want something different out of the workforce, um, working with them, you know, through Alibi is amazing, both from a, like, we're getting this, the talent that we need, but also um, sort of the missions align. And so that was really, it's sort of comforting to sort of connect with, with somebody who um, you kind of have two axes of connection. Right. So I think that that's kind of how Alibi is supporting us right now. Awesome. I, I love hearing more about the connection and the story um, about how you came to Alibi and how we're supporting it. It's definitely our secret sauce and specialty is to help during these big growth times for businesses. And um, it, in so many reasons why I created this company was, was very um, for myself as well. Uh, we use all of our experts too, um, and it helps us to grow our business. And so we're able to grow in a very sustainable and simple way. Um, I think right now, just the last two weeks, I brought on 12 of our experts to help with various things as we ramp up for series. Wow. So it's been crazy, but it was so simple. I'm like, oh, I need these 12 people to just come do different things for us instead of having to worry about vetting them and bringing them on. So totally. I'm so glad that that they're able to support you guys. And I love what you're, what you're doing with the new launch. I'm definitely going to have I need, I'm going to need this for 
when I launched my book to be able to use the Facebook ads. I mean, that's so smart. So congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thanks. It's it's something we've been hearing a lot, a lot from authors is, you know, you can spend a lot of time on Facebook advertising, learning it. Yeah. Um, but the way you learn it is by spending money and you take lumps and you make mistakes. And like everybody who's run a small business and tried it before has made those mistakes, us included. Um, and they're expensive <laughs> and it's hard. And I think if you're maybe sitting in a business owner seat, that's part of your core function, right? It's marketing um, and learning how to do that. But if you're an author, your core function is creativity, is writing, right? Is producing excellent work product and, and doing that. And so you know, maybe for, for our customers, getting that time back where, you know, it takes them 90 seconds to two minutes to buy an ad campaign from us and we do all the work um, instead of taking four hours and trying to learn Facebook ads and wasting a bunch of money. Um, and, and, you know, the response so far has been extremely positive. That's exciting. And I love getting to talk to founders that are working on solutions to help the, the smaller people or the smaller companies that are just getting going or the independent creatives. Um, and that's a big reason I, I started LOB2 is because I wanted to make sure that the people that the bigger companies weren't hitting were getting the same opportunities as they were. Because if not, it, I mean, just as you said, I mean, we threw a lot of money at Facebook ads before we knew what was going on. And now we have an expert that helps with that. But um, prior to that, I mean, you're just throwing money at a fire and it's burning. Uh, so you need somebody that can help support you and then niche down in what you specifically need, uh, which is even better. So um, I think the more companies like ours that are coming up to help support um, the earlier business owners or creatives is just wonderful. That's what what's needed out there to help all of us entrepreneurs get where we want to go. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, a lot of our um, authors are like little mini businesses, right? Very, very small. Typically, it's either them writing and doing everything themselves. Often there's a spouse that helps out or like a, a cousin or a family member who kind of knows some stuff and is helping them out. Um, increasingly, we're seeing authors hire virtual assistants, which is, I think, something else that, that you know, Alibi does yeah. um, to help with a lot of this stuff. So it, it's interesting seeing these, you know, creatives, these people who are really following what they were put on this earth to do, figuring out this, the business side. And, you know, our, our mission is to support them in whatever way we can. Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. And I remember starting out as a freelancer seven years ago when I left Postmates and I just, the, there was plenty of information out there. It just wasn't in one place or even three places. It was all over. <laughs> um, and I, I kept always telling myself that I vowed to find a better solution for people for this, that it wouldn't be as hard to get up and running or to get yourself moving in the right direction. Um, is it shouldn't be that hard. And especially if you have a family and you're, you know, spending a lot of time there, time is insanely valuable and you yes. don't want to be wasting it on the little things when you want to, you know, you shouldn't have to. Um, so I love when we're able to kind of support those specific tasks that we want to have done. Um, yeah. Well, I'm sure we could talk business all day about all, all day. the cool things that that we're both doing. Um, but I'd love to know about how your career got started. You didn't start here at Written Words. So um, how did things get started for you? Uh, yeah, so um, I'll give you the short version of the early parks. It's, it's maybe less interesting, but I, I, um, I majored in ancient Greek and Roman history, uh, which was 
not necessarily a passion. I was just real, I bounced around and I realized I needed to get out of school. I liked working better than going to school. Um, I also was a history major. So maybe there's something there with us. There's something there, right? And the early part of my career, I actually spent at a nonprofit. It was a a research lab that helped, was funded largely by the Department of Defense. And it was um, to build medical simulators. So basically fake bodies that doctors would practice surgery on so they didn't have to practice on real life people. So a very noble goal, very cool product. I was introduced to a lot of technology that I didn't know existed. Um, I got to learn from some really cool people there. Um, but I had this immensely frustrating experience where we'd build these things, we'd go to these shows, we'd see soldiers, um, military medics, that's who our product was built for. And these were people who typically had a high school education and 13 weeks of on-field training, and then they went into, you know, live combat settings. Um, it was people that needed help, right? Like they really did. They needed the product and they loved the product. And we'd go to these shows and the generals would come in and look at it and sign off and everybody all that stuff. And then nothing ever happened, right? I kept being like, you know, why isn't somebody selling this? Why aren't we licensed this? And, and what I kind of realized after being there for a long time is uh, it was really an academic setting. People were writing papers, they were presenting prototypes, but nobody really wanted to get into the nitty gritty of like delivering product and signing deals. And for me, that was interesting. Um, and it was, you know, I didn't understand why nobody wanted to do that. And I started, um, you know, learning about building websites on my own and I always been a designer. Um, and so I started doing some of my own sort of freelance work and I was like, oh, this is way better. Um, and then, you know, I got introduced to some people, uh, who'd gotten their MBA and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. So I got my MBA at Duke, um, down here and that was right around the, the great sort of recession. Right. And so I started in 2007 I was like, I want to work for a small company in technology and entrepreneurship. And everybody looked at me like I was crazy. Like, I want to be an investment banker. I want to be a consultant. I want to go work for, you know, a big, uh, firm. And nobody knew what to do with me, right? I didn't fit in at all. And then the Great Recession hit, everybody's internship stuff got rescinded. And I had been working with a local company, uh, Reverb Nation, throughout my whole second year. And all of a sudden I looked like I knew what was going on. I didn't, right? It was luck. But um, people were like, oh, you have a job? Like you're doing them? Like, yeah. But, um, so I, I took that job at Reverb Nation and, and I was helping bands. Uh, so I was building software for musicians. That was a really formidable experience. The, the founders there were really mentors to me and they, they helped me. They gave me a ton of opportunity. I made a ton of mistakes, did a ton of things right on both sides. Um, but it was a lot of fun. The people there were incredible. Um, but I never really connected with music. I've never been a huge music person, but I come from a family of readers, right? Like my, my parent, like we always read specifically science fiction. And so um, that was that was kind of like in me always, right? And then my wife and I had always talked about working together because we didn't want to you know, work for the man, so to speak. Um, and she had started, she was consulting, doing online marketing consulting. She'd started this small... Uh, website called Freebooksy, which we still have today. And that was to help her mother, my mother-in-law sell a book that she'd written. It was a very niche piece of religious fiction and we literally couldn't give it away. Um, And so we'd set it for free. And so we started, um, you know, kind of hacking together this website and she would give away free books just in service of giving away um, my mother-in-law's book. 
And then authors started writing in because we were running ad traffic to it, um, saying like, hey, can I pay to be on there? Wow. And when people ask that, you know, you say yes. yes. You, you <laughs> right? always say yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, and, and that was in the early days and I wasn't working with her. She was doing it herself. And then when I started kind of coming to a point when I was at Reverb Nation about six or seven years into it, where I was like, you know, I'm ready for a change. And, you know, I felt like the company was in a stable spot. I wasn't letting anybody down by moving on. Um, we made the leap. Um, and we started working together and we, you know, reincorporated the company from Freebooksy, which is one website into written word media. And now we have five and, um, professionalized it. We built some software, we hired people and staffed up and, um, that's taken us a long time. Um, but we've really been hitting our stride kind of the last two years in terms of growth and professionalization and, and being able to, to reach the right people. Um, so that's sort of the origin story and, and, and here we are. I love that. And I think it's interesting when I, uh, learned about how you were at Reverb, because when I, before we moved out to the West coast for five years, when my husband, um, he was working for Microsoft. So we went to the, the mothership, um, for a while and, uh, we at first weren't sure we were going to move there. We were actually going to come to Durham about five or six years ago. Um, and I was looking at startups in the area and different companies and reverb was one of them that was like hiring at the time. And so it's, it's interesting, like how that dot could have connected a different way. Totally. Um, but then we went out to the West coast and then the world of Allo became to be, um, but I, I love hearing about the, the early startups in, in Durham and all the fun stuff. Um, so I'm so glad that yours came out of this, especially your love for books and how both you and your, your wife connected through that. And I love that you guys work together. Our neighbors across the street also have a, a company together and me oh, and my cool. husband, one day will that I told him once that you know Alibi makes it really big we'll we'll use that money to start our <laughs> to start our own but I was like until then can you stay at Twitter and just keep keep working there because you're you're paying the bills over here um but one day one day we'll we'll have that that joy as well but um I love what you've built I love that it's focused on you know, helping authors. Um, I'm also a huge book nerd you'll have to come to our house one day our whole basement is like an amazing bookshelf of just oh, books, awesome. and books and books. Um, my husband too, super big reader. Uh, so I love it. And then sharing that with our kids too has been kind of our favorite thing. And yeah. as parents is being able to read. Me and my daughter are reading Charlotte's Web right now, which is like so fun to be able to read the traditions yeah. with your with your kids. My husband is also a super big um, science fiction person. And so um, I'm sure that will soon come to be with our kids. <laughs> That's all we'll be reading in our house um, with them. So I love that. Well, why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, the challenges? So we talked about you kind of getting started with written word and everything. Um, what's kind of been your biggest challenge that you faced in, in your career so far and how did you overcome it? Yeah, I think um, that's a really interesting question. There's been a lot of challenges, but I think, you know, the whole trick is seeing them as opportunities and reflecting on them, right? Um, so I think, you know, maybe some recency bias here, but I think my biggest challenge recently has sort of been the balance of family and work, right? And so my dad was really sick and he passed away last year. And so for a few years before that, 
um, I was a big part of help caring for him, right? And, and with my mother. And so then you're juggling uh, kind of being both a parent to my kids, right? Being a husband to my wife, being a son to my parents who desperately needed me. And by the way, running this business, right? <laughs> um, and I think I have a very high tolerance for uh, pressure and for things, but you know, everybody's has a, a cup that can get full, right? And I think my cup was full. And I think when I look back on it, like actually that was challenging, but I think the real challenge was, was identifying it. Cause if you'd asked me two years ago, you know, are you coping? I'd be like, yeah, I'm fine. No problem. Right. But when you look back on it, you're like, you know, I wasn't doing the best at a lot of different things. And if I'd been more aware of that, could I have, could I have changed? Um, so I think that when I look back on, I think that's the biggest challenge is, is really self-awareness and, and you, and you find that in pockets of um, trauma and chaos and upheaval. And I think your ability or our ability to look at that and say, okay, you know, point the, the, the microscope inward instead of outward um, is really the biggest challenge. And I, you know, I'm not going to say I've, I've conquered that. It's, it's a, it's a challenge every day. Um, that's not a specific point maybe, but I think as I think about things lately, that that's where my head goes. No, I totally agree that self-awareness is probably one of the key superpowers of any entrepreneur is if you don't have that, it's actually one of the chapters in my book, because (laughs) until I realized that I, that the self-awareness was so important and kind of what helped me, um, in many ways, I, I didn't realize how important it was up until that point, but same thing. You, we have high thresholds. (laughs) If you don't have a high threshold, it's really hard to be an entrepreneur or a business owner in general. Um, but we have to have to pay attention. And I think also our society is just not focused on supporting caregivers of any shape or size. Um, and that's why we really try to focus on it at B is that, you know, sometimes it's your kids you're taking care of. Sometimes it's an elderly parent. Um, my grandmother also passed away last year and I spent a lot of time going to the Eastern part of the state, going to see her and, you know, help out with things over uh, the few years and then the pandemic hit. So it made it even yeah, harder. Even more complicated, um, yeah. yeah, it's just crazy. And, um, but you have to kind of make those choices. Do I scale a little slower because of the fact that, you know, family is more important for me right now. Um, but then society, you know, pushes you in a different direction. So I always tell people, put your blinders on and just go in the direction that you feel good about, because if not, someone's going to tell you to do something that's going to, to really mess up that balance. So if there is any balance out there. Yeah. And I think I, I, I really appreciate that. I think the other thing is, is asking for help and support, which, which um, especially people who have a high threshold are, are historically bad at me included. Um, and so I think, you know, when I think about the, the, the company growing and the future and where we need to do this, you know, bringing in support um, inside and outside of your business uh, is really important. And, and not only like doing it, but like knowing that you need to do it and being aware of that is, is really important. And I think, uh, you know, I feel like we're getting better at that and I'm getting better at it, but there's also a lot of work to be done still. <laughs> yes, I know. I, I always think I'm doing better. And then even yesterday I was like, 
oh, I need to like get a bunch off of my plate. I'm managing way too many things. And now the self-awareness comes in and I was like, we're not going to go down this really bad rabbit hole. Um, (laughs) But it's, it's crazy when you run a company focused on helping people outsource and then I'm the worst at it. Like I (laughs) I really am the worst at it and probably why I created the company. I know like our clients that are not good at it. I'm like, I've been there. Like I I know um, I'm the first one to be like, I'm just going to get it done faster by doing it myself and I'll just figure it out. And then I realized I've said that to 30 things and that's not going to happen. So yesterday I needed to write a explainer video script. And I was like, why am I doing this? Like, no, I don't need to write this. And so I just messaged one of our, um, one of our copywriters and I was like, can you do this for me? (laughs) Because I don't need to be doing this, but it's that self-awareness to know that your, your cup is full and you are going to overflow if you don't make a change. So, um, I think that's really valuable and important information for anybody listening. So thank you for sharing your experience. Um, what is your favorite quote? Favorite quote. Um, I think, and I can't remember if this is Picasso or if it's just misattributed to him, but it's good, good artists copy and great artists steal. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think when you're in the world of the web, um, that's a really important thing to do, right. It's not to don't reinvent the wheel, but also don't even redesign the wheel, (laughs) you know? Um, and I think following conventions and using stuff that's already built, uh, even when it's fun to rebuild it, is is why that speaks to me, right? Like you look everywhere for inspiration, and I think um, one of the one of the books that I read, oh gosh, I don't remember the name of it, but it's by the um, IDEO, uh, one of the IDEO founders, mm-hmm. and um, he talks about getting inspiration from from other places. So, like you're designing software, go to the grocery store, right? You're you're building you're building a computer, go to the garbage dump, mm-hmm. and like try to get inspiration from places that are so far away from what you typically do, mm-hmm. um, and then don't feel bad about about stealing it. <laughs> Right. And I think that's, that's really important because I I think a lot of people have this originality bias. We're like, well, I'm going to do it different. And you don't have to do everything different. You have to do the things that are core to your business. You have to do those different. Otherwise you don't have anything, but there's a lot of things about running a business that you can, you can use the research and the information that other people have compiled and, and you can make it sing. Um, And so I think, uh, that's maybe a long-winded answer to your question, but that's, that's one of my favorite quotes, the one that came to mind immediately. Yeah, no, I love that. And it's, it's so true. I, I always say to you, like, we don't need to reinvent the internet when we're, when we're building yeah. stuff or a new, a new platform or adding things. I mean, there's nothing rocket science about outsourcing these different services. We're just doing it in a different way with a different mission and a different, a little bit different model. But um, I always find my best inspiration from nothing to do with like technology at all. Um, it's either from reading a book or, you know, taking a walk with my kids or a hike or being like far away from anything to yep. do with my computer or anything with outsourcing, because you find out problems, you see problems happening everywhere and ways that you want to make a solution. And it reminds you of something within your own business that you can help change. Um, so I love that. And same thing with, I always thought a book would be so hard to write. And then, uh, when I was talking to, uh, my hybrid publisher, she's like, well, you have a whole podcast that you've been doing for like three years. 
why are you not using some of those wonderful things that came from that podcast and your book? And I was like, oh, that was a lot easier. So write a half a book, add all the podcasts that are really great into it. And you have a whole book. Uh, So you learn a lot from uh, experiences that you've already done. So um, thank you for sharing that quote. I also really love that quote. Um, what are some, actually, I'm going to ask this because you're a book person. So resources are great, but what's your favorite books? It doesn't have to have anything to do with business because oh. business books are their own set. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's such a hard question. Um, I'll tell you some of my favorite books. Yeah, so like, I know. Flipping, you know, if you're a bookie, like just forget it. You're not going to, yeah, it's too book. hard. Right. <laughs> um, I think, you know, a book that was pivotal and that I read with my family and, and was really awesome is, is Ender's Game, which is a science fiction book about, yeah. you know, leadership and, um, you know, coming of age and, and it's, and, um, it's a really cool book and a really cool story. And I just, I loved it. I've read it a million times. I have, I think I'm missing pages in the old paperback coffee that I have. Um, so that's, that's probably the book that I most commonly say, cause it was formidable, but since then I've read so many good books. I think, uh, Neil Stevenson's seven eaves was, um, it's like real heady science fiction. It's like a thousand pages. You have to really be in the right place to read something like that. But it was awesome. It was mind blowing. I think my wife was so sick of me reading it because I'd read till two in the morning and the next morning I'd be like, oh, you never believe what happened. I didn't talk all about it yet. <laughs> you know? um, and then I think in terms of like business books, um, uh, I really enjoyed Good to Great, um, which is uh, like not recent, um, but I read it pretty recently and I was like, this is amazing. Um, and then I think, you know, in terms of like design, um, the, the visual display of quantitative information, which is, uh, Edward Tufte, who's, you know, a little bit of a, <laughs> thinks very highly of himself, but the book is, is very good and very interesting. And if you're interested in sort of like design or maps or graphing or how to communicate visually, it's transformative. Um, but it's also, you know, it's a textbook. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes, especially when it's something that is, can be really transformative, there can be the best books that might not look the prettiest or the most enjoyable that looking uh, can be super valuable. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. I'm going to take note of some of those, but I have read good to great and it is a, it's a wonderful book. It's great. Um, Yeah. And And I think sometimes with business books too, like you'll read, I've even read some like a few years ago and then read them more recently. And I got something completely differently out of it based off of where I was. Yeah. And I, I listened to that book, which I think was a different experience. And it was, um, the passion that he has for what he does is so fun. Like it just makes the book so enjoyable. And I wonder if I read it, if I would get that, but he reads it. Um, and it's just, it's so much fun to listen to him. You can tell he just gets such a kick out of what he's doing. Yeah. That's the best when there's passion behind it, it it changes how you, how you hear something and how you experience it for sure. Well, why don't you tell me for our last question, ask everybody this, I think it's also my way to see like what cool stuff is coming down the pipeline in the world, but, um, how are you going to create momentum in the rest of 2021? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. So we have a lot of momentum going right now. Um, we have, uh, like I said, we just, you know, this public launch of our newest product reader reach, uh, yesterday. So that's really exciting. And I think, um, keeping up with that, 
we'll keep the momentum going. So, um, you know, we, we may have some administrative calls about bringing on some more Alibi resources. I know, especially done. when you launch something like end of quarter three or end of quarter four, like yeah. that's the rest of your year. Like yeah, exactly. Year. So I think doing that, um, supporting our, uh, team through the holidays is always something that's really important to us. We, we send out our email newsletters 365 days a year. So um, staffing holidays, everything, because our um, reader audience is global. So not everybody shares the same holidays. And so that's um, that's always kind of a, a tricky little Tetris puzzle to put together to get everybody's PTO and make sure everybody can kind of spend some time with their families, but that we're not letting any customers down at the same time. So uh, that takes up a lot of effort and it's important and we don't, you know, we don't, um, we don't give it short shrift. Yeah. And then the, um, you know, the reader reach launch, like I said, and I think we, we use a framework for running our business called EOS. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that, um, the entrepreneur operating system. And it's, okay. it's like, I think of it like broccoli, like sometimes it's, it's irritating, but it's very good for you, right? It's great for your business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes it's like taking medicine, but it really empowers everybody in the organization to pull together in one direction. And so part of Q4 for us is planning for next year. And we do that before you get to next year. And what that does is it lets us start the year really on a great foot and, and really get kicking. Um, and so we spend time with our leadership team. We'll go you know, off into a hole for, for hours on end and we'll figure out what we're doing and we'll talk about stuff and argue about stuff and, and, and get it right. Um, and that is something that is really, it's part of the EOS sort of system that you use, but it's super valuable um, to carve out that time to do planning. And I think as anybody who's run a business knows, it's very easy to get bogged down in the reactivity of, of problems and day-to-day -day operations. And so being intentional and conscientious about planning for the coming year is something that is incredibly freeing, right? It's like, oh, I have to do this. And so I got to prepare for it. And then we have to do it. And coming out of it, we have to follow up from it. And doing that really, really helps you um, align your vision and your whole team around one common goal. It builds an incredible sense of unity and you accomplish a lot. And we've accomplished a lot in the past few months and I expect that to continue. But I'd say for our momentum, it's, it's hitting our planning, right? It's, it's, it's focusing on the future and then executing on it. And we have a, a really rich history of executing very, very well. Um, as anybody who's, who works for us now or has worked with us in the past knows it's core to, to working at written word media is being efficient, getting things done. Um, so we're, we're excited to extend that. And I think the last thing I'll say, I talk about this forever, but the last thing I'll say on that is, is around staffing, right? Is around bringing on contractors, bringing on full-time people. Um, because like we talked about earlier, you need help, right? And as you grow, there's more seats that become available, more roles. And, and we were talking about before the podcast, the, the slashes start to come away, right? You're this slash this slash this, and maybe it's only two or three of those instead of four or five. Um, but that only happens when you bring on help. And I think a big focus of us continuing our momentum is going to be uh, hiring the right people and bringing on that help. And we are, we have a bunch of open positions right now. I expect more to open up in the next few months, but we're, we're actively hiring, um, so for all the all the people that love books and want to work in yeah. technology, um, you know, 
come to us. Yes. And hiring is no easy feat. Oh my goodness. I know. It's like, you have to, you're always hiring. If you're in leadership, you're always, always hiring. hiring your company. Even if there's no open position, there is a somewhat an open position somewhere. Right. Um, so I totally understand that. And I'm going to ask you one bonus, another bonus question. Just Great. Let's we do it. Talk- yeah. We were talking about it before um, the episode before you started recording, but just with remote work and a lot of founders are kind of having to have that, that question happening. Are we going to stay fully remote? Are we going to be half remote? What are we going to do? Especially companies and similar stages that both of both of ours in. And so I know you mentioned today that you're, you guys have officially, you know, gone fully remote. Um, what are some things that went into that decision-making for you? And yeah, team? this is something that we've, we put a lot of thought into. So it's not a decision we made lightly, but yeah. I think it's really empowering to have the decision behind us. So for the longest time, we're like, oh, are we going back to the office? When are we going back to the office? How are we going to go back to the office, right? And so those are really heady questions that everybody in our circle is dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. And so once we made the decision, we're like, hey, we looked at the budget, we're paying rent, nobody's there. We pulled our team, like we included them in the decision. Mm-hmm they kind of like having an office they can go to, but nobody really wants to go into it. And that's okay, right? That's totally fine. And so, but but I think that the thing that you miss when you don't have an office is that uh, in-person uh, team building, right? That like connection building. It's like, hey, I'm connected to you because we went and got coffee and we shared a laugh about this book cover or whatever it is. And I think uh, you do miss that. And so when you go remote, that stuff doesn't happen accidentally, but what it does do is it forces you to be intentional about it, right? And I think that's actually very powerful because we've we've actually had to examine this and we've had to figure out how we're going to do this. How are we going to share details with each other, right? And get to know each other because, you know, more than half of our staff at this point, we've hired, you know, in the pandemic and they've never worked side by side. Yeah. Um, and and so that's, that's an interesting problem and one that was really fun for us to dig into and talk about and, you know, hard, but good things are hard. Yeah. And uh, we came up with, with a set of solutions um, to get rid of the office, but we are going to try, you know, COVID pending, getting together once a month in person. And we do occasionally have in-person meetings still. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that doesn't require us sitting next to each other and working together all the time. And yeah. so our goal is to build the connection fabric between team members um, intentionally with sort of in-person meetings, with online connection points, stuff like that. And I think the thing that's cool about it is because it's intentional, you know, it's written down, like it's part of our goals. Whereas when you're in the office, I think you, you can kind of assume some of that away and you actually potentially do a poor job at it because you're assuming it happens and maybe it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and we often got this feedback uh, years ago that you know our office was too quiet. It's a group of book people, like a bunch of introverts tapping on keyboards, right? And so yeah. <laughs> being intentional helps. Uh, it helps a lot actually. Yeah. And giving people who work that way their own space at home that's comfortable for them to, to do what they need to do and walk their dog during the day or you know, get to a yoga class or whatever it is. And like, you know, as a business leader, I don't have a problem with that. (laughs) You know, so um, that's been, that's been a change for us. Um, But I think, you know, being intentional about it is the thing that's sort of the most exciting and the most powerful, I think. Yeah, I love that. And I'm really excited to see where other companies, like even big companies that decide to go remote fully, 
how it will help their culture in so many ways because they have you have to be insanely intentional about it. Like yeah. even today we have a virtual meet and greet at one o'clock for our whole team because we are trying to make sure that we're having that intentional time. It's only 30 minutes, but just that is super valuable for our team yeah. members and everybody loves it. Um, or we've been doing uh, once a month, we do a breakout box, which I'll send you information about it. Super cool concept. Yeah, I would love they send that. you a box for everybody, wherever they're at, they send the box to them. And um, last week we did caramel apples. And so we made caramel apples together while we were on screen and chatting and laughing. You play a game. It's really low key. And then as the leader, they send you everything to run it. And so literally you don't have to do anything. So you get to have fun, which is rare. Um, So it's actually really nice as a, as a fun thing to do with your team, but super easy and low key. (laughs) It just Mm. makes it easy, but um, I know. Those half an hour meetings you're talking about, like that, that's such a good idea. I'm glad to hear you are doing that. And like when you have that on your schedule and you show up and you have to like log into the, the Zoom or Google Meet or whatever it is, like you're ready to do that, right? Like your connection switch is flipped on. You're ready to, mm-hmm. to, to do that. Whereas if you're at the office, somebody's maybe having a conversation in the corner or whatever, yeah. you might go over there, you might not, right? Like, and so mm-hmm. I think um, it's definitely different, but I, I think it's like an exciting new world and, you know, we're part of it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for all of the cool things that you guys are doing at Written Word. And I'm glad that we get to be a little part of it at Alobi. Um, and I'm excited to, to kind of see where, where the businesses go and everything. Um, we'll have to do like a part two in like a year to see how oh, that sounds great. happen. Yeah. We can get an update on your book too. Yes, I will. I will. More, more details to come. Um, it's, it just started the first edit. So, um, that's where we're at right now, but I'm excited and excited to anything about books. I'm always all in on that. So, (laughs) well, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, absolutely. This was a lot of fun. Yes. And definitely go and check out written word media. We'll put all of the information Um, in the show notes, you guys can go like and follow and get on their email list and send all the, the independent creatives their way because they're definitely doing wonderful work over there. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Alibi Radio. Make sure to follow us so you never miss an episode. If you are needing support to scale your business simply, head over to Allobee.com. That is A-L-L-O-B-E-E.com. Get $50 off your first service with code RADIO50. That's R-A-D-I-O 50. Until next week, take action and gain momentum in your business and life.